The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. Today's date is, uh, let's see, November 9th, 1919. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, sheesh. Uh, let's see, November 9th, 2023. I think that's a little bit better, isn't it? Hey, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. And we can talk if you want. You can also email me questions at info at carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G, info. Real easy to do. we got a lot of uh people who do that and I'll maybe guess some of them today because sometimes you just don't have callers very much and sometimes all of a sudden we have a whole bunch too many as a matter of fact so that's okay but if you want to you know contact me that way with email just put in karm question or karm comment I mean, I mean radio question or radio comment excuse me uh, in the subject and it'll get my attention sorry got a yawn coming up oh yeah I'll have to reach my coffee here in a second all right, and uh, let's see if you want, if you are interested in joining us in Rumble, you can do that. All you got to do in Rumble is just go to rumble.com forward slash Live, and there you go. Now, for those of you who might be new uh, to the show, Matt Slick Live is the name of the radio show, and my real name is Matt Slick. It's on my driver's license, etc. birth certificate is what my name is. So some people think it's just a radio name, but it's not. And uh, I do apologetics. I defend the Christian faith. If you have questions on a host of topics, such as Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science Unity, Baha'i, Islam, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, Atheism, uh, let's see, a little, some philosophy, uh, UFOs, the occult. We can talk about all kinds of stuff. I've studied everything. Uh, not everything, everything, but, you know, I study a lot and really enjoy it. So... Uh, been working on the CARM website for over 28 years now. 28 years that that site is old, and uh, it's got 100 and uh, how many? How many? Let me check right now, because I was just doing a check. It's got 159 million visitors and uh, 88 million returning visitors. Okay, how about that? So, just letting you know. Well, not a big deal, but uh, it's been around for a while. A lot of good information on there. So. Uh, I do have a question. If anybody knows really a lot about SEO and how to increase uh, standing and stuff in search engines, contact me. We already have people who work we work with, but we need some extra oomph. We've got to figure something out here, and I uh, need some help with that. So if you know, let me know. All right. And um, let's see. I think there's something else. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll just give a little bit of a heads up. Uh, I mentioned... Uh, Luke, who used to work with us, his daughter's got a major medical problem. The insurance company is going to pay uh, for the surgeries, so that's really good. And there's going to be some surgery that's got to go through, and more to come, more information to come. But thanks for your prayers. He really appreciates it, and uh, he's a good guy. So he was worked with us for a few years, five or six, seven years. Great guy, loves the Lord, good quality individual, and that is often the case. Life hits us upside the head. All right, let's see. Oh, there we go. Nice yawn. 
So I was in um, Club Deck or Clubhouse, and uh, I jumped into a room just for five minutes before I came into uh, into here and also in in front uh, into the Matt Slick um, uh, Clubhouse thing. Anyway, this previous room, they were talking about why the the uh, Trinity was not true, and I I said, well, look, uh, here's my you know call me you know radio here I got to do a radio show. Uh, let's talk, and so uh, maybe somebody will call in from that, and we can argue with the Trinity. I'd love to do that. It'd be fun. All right. Let's see. Why don't we get to Jeff from Iowa? Hey, Jeff, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Doing all right. Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. What do you got, buddy? That's great. Me too, buddy. Um, I mean, pretty much my question is, um, what, what are your thoughts on, um, I mean, technically I know your thoughts on dinosaurs because I watched something of, it was like Matt Slick on the street or something and yeah. you argued, is it some like gate? partnership couple or something and they brought up dinosaurs and then you started talking about um how in genesis there's something about uh sure. creatures and all that and okay job, so what are your thoughts mm-hmm. oh book of job sure 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 yeah. um mm-hmm. anyways anyways what are your thoughts on um carbon dating in terms of dinosaurs well, carbon dating only works for things that are about a hundred thousand years. Excuse me, turn my throat there. A hundred thousand years old or less, and I think it's uh, carbon fourteen. The half life is five thousand two hundred and thir- or five thousand. Oh, what is it? Uh, years old. Over, but it's a little over five thousand years old. It's been a while since I've quoted this. Let me see if I can get my note and why it's a problem. Carbon dating is a problem. Let's see. Carbon. Come on. Here we go. Get my information. Oh man, how about this? Carbon fourteen. That'll get it. So um, I always like to get the accurate number, but carbon fourteen has a half life of five thousand seven hundred and thirty years. What that means is, if you have a gram of carbon fourteen in five thousand seven hundred and thirty years, you have half a gram just by it's sitting there. And it has to do with atomic decay as energy is expanded and particles are emitted in that amount of, of matter. Now, why is this important? Because in 100,000 years of time, there should be no carbon-14 left in anything that was once alive. Carbon-14 is, uh, is received by a living organism like a squirrel. It is received through it being alive in the environment through respiration and eating. And drinking and so uh, carbon 14 gets into the squirrel's system when the squirrel dies it uh, this increase of carbon 14 ceases it's static at that point and so in 93,000 years actually uh, there should be no carbon 14 left in that squirrel if it's covered with mud and kind of set there and preserved all right so this is important because carbon dating that's what it is carbon 14 um, is only useful for something to about uh, 100,000 years. Well, the problem is they're finding carbon-14 in uh, diamonds, which are 990 million years old, and coal shales, which are 3.2 billion years old. And that's really a problem because 
those things aren't supposed to have uh, carbon-14 in them. Now, there's different explanations for why those things are there because, well, it seeped into the environment, but it, those are highly problematic theories because the seeping in uh, can't go in, you know, hundreds and hundreds of feet into uh, carbon shales, you know, things like this. It doesn't work. So that's just that. But they, So they have other dating systems, which I can talk to you about if you want. Okay, I can go into those. Mm. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here, man. I'm always here, buddy. Okay. So police, dis- there's a, what's called a rock layer positioning. And uh, so you're digging through a mountain to, you know, bulldozers to cut a road. And, you know, the, the fresh, fresh cut into the side of a mountain. And you can see, let's say there's a 100 feet tall cut. You can see rock strata. That might be, you know, 200 million years of rock strata, the theory goes. All right. So what they can do is they can stratigraphically decide what, how many years old those things are, the, the geologists who really know this stuff, by looking. They are familiar with certain deposits, certain systems, certain patterns, and they can do this kind of a thing. All right, so it's called stratigraphic uh, dating. Well, some of the problems are that you'll cut through a mountain and it'll be a single tree fossilized through, you know, 600 million years of rock strata. It's called, um, oh my goodness, I've said this, uh, I've said it a hundred times. Uh, Charlie will type it in. He, he, my, my brain just just hiccuped. Um, polystrate fossils is what it's called. That's right, polystrate fossils. And so that's a problem, but you don't hear about them because they don't fit the the large age uh, of the earth because evolution needs humongous amount of times to work humongous amount of times uh, amount of times amount of years all right so pleistocene rock layer positioning is 1.6 million years old but the rubidium strontium method is given over 700 almost 800 million years age but yet it's 1.6 million years old stratigraphically so rubidium strontium looking at some of this they get uh, they're off by 770 million years Ooh, that, that's bad upper miocene to pleiocene lava and the potassium argon method says five to nine million years rubidium strontium says 31 to 39 and then pleiocene to holocene lava stratigraphically dated at less than uh, 5.3 million years old rubidium strontium gives it a 570 to 870 million years old so you see there's there's uh, the methods for dating rock through their atomic decay systems uh, gives contradictory uh, evidence for different systems okay gotcha how old would, how old do you think the earth is man i think it's a few thousand years old i, mean, I don't believe the millions a few of thousand years, years? yeah mm-hmm. yeah do you think it could be scientifically proven that it is at least you know <laughs> that old uh there are evidences that could support it but I, I want to put a caveat in here because um, time dilates uh, the further away you are from a gravitational body. And so there, I, I need to get into it. I don't understand the math, of course, but I need to talk to people who do. Uh, there are ways of, of uh, that's how to put this. 
the speed of light apparently is slowing down. Now, that's a controversial subject, but there's some evidence to suggest it's slowing down. If that's the case, that would radically affect carbon date or the the uh, uh, radiometric dating methods. It would radically affect the, the interpretation of the data. And so uh, there is this theory that and uh, I heard it from Chuck Messler, and he knows all the, he, before he passed away, he was an incredible researcher. So he used to talk to people, some physicists, who could work out the math, I don't know how, who, what, when, where, and uh, where you could have six days on Earth and like six million years elsewhere. And it's the same phenomena, you could have the uh, you know Earth be so old and then further away in, in the universe and the galaxy can be much older because of time dilation. I don't understand it all, but that's something I want to get into to study. But there are things about erosion rates, and there's problems there because the Colorado River, for example, is uh, which is around uh, you know 1.6 uh, kilometers deep, contains fossils going back 500 million years, and the oldest about 300 billion years old. But on the basis of current, this is the thing, current erosion rates, the area would have, have uh, worn away 20 million years ago. So how can you have things 500 million years old? It, there's problems there. They're finding soft tissue in dinosaur bones. That's a problem. I can go on, I get a lot of notes here. I mean, there's a lot. So hold on, we've got a break, okay? We, back out and after. Hey folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We have two open lines if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, welcome back to the show. I could have gone on about the science stuff. I've got a lot of notes. My notes are, how many pages in my notes on evolution and science? It's only eight pages now. It's going to be longer than that. Let me see. I'm curious. But I love, I really do. I really do like science. I enjoy it a great deal. And uh, yeah, about 45 pages of notes. All right. Well, we lost that caller. Let's get on the air. The next, next longest waiting is Monique from North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. I'm sorry. Did you say Monique? Yes, I did. You're on the air. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I can barely hear you. Bear with me. Uh, good sure. evening. So my first question uh, is about apologetics. Is there a fundamental difference between uh, apologists? and say a Bible teacher yes other than obviously the arguments are usually a component I'm sure of uh, apologetics yeah apologetics deals uh, with the defense and the establishment of the Christian faith and so it, it can be involved in uh, like philosophy so I've had to study transcendentals the problem of the one and the many uh, disjunctive syllogisms uh, various things like uh, empiricism. 
I've had to study various epistemological issues related to deontology and necessary preconditions for intelligibility in apologetics. I've also had to study, for example, historicity, the documents of the New Testament. I've had to study Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam. So I know how to, to what those topics contain, and I can talk about it. A Bible teacher doesn't need to know all that stuff. A Bible teacher can simply go through and exegete some scripture. He might want to get, he or she might want to get into a little bit deeper stuff. So a Bible teacher will just open the Bible and go through what it says and then compare it to itself in different areas and bring in the theology. But they can overlap because to some degree, Bible teaching is apologetics, and to another degree, apologetics is, is, um, is uh, Bible teaching too. So they're related. Okay. okay. Okay, and I'm sorry, like I said, I can barely hear you, so if I talk over a word, I don't mean to. And then okay. yesterday is a follow-up to my questions with the uh, Jude 24 through 25 and uh, the Second Timothy 2, uh, whatever those verses were about meekness and instructing those. So if I can ask, have and you talk to a lot of people, I know, but can you memorably remember anyone that may be... Um, I guess you have it with Christians sometimes, but anyone you've spoken to and there was an argument of some sort, um, ha do you know of any of those people on that other end that have told you that they have come to repentance? Like in the, the fruit of whatever conversation you had, have you ever known uh, any examples that you can remember? Uh, someone coming back and saying it helped them, you know, ultimately lead to Christ. Yes, many, many, many times. Yes. Yes, uh -huh. yes you did. Yes. Okay. And then, and the last thing I'll ask, and I pray you hear the spirit in which I come. Um, so I, and I guess you remember me, I'm not sure, but we were talking about the, just those scriptures. And I was curious, it, it, to help me, is there anything, just in speaking with you or anyone else that might be in your position, is there anything that is, for lack of a better term, off-putting or uh, maybe ambiguous in general about, for as much as you can recall the way I presented the question, um, because to my surprise, I don't usually watch you live, but I was actually looking at the YouTube, and there were the most exasperated looking, and I heard some of the signs, yes. but brother, uh -huh. I honestly, I don't understand it, so I, I would love insight so that when I am talking sure. to people... I can yes, because people, I, that was bizarre to me, and on the extreme end, kind of hurtful, considering that I'm a believer. Well, I, I've never called you an opposition to any of the scriptures, so yeah, that's kind of thing has happened several times. And I'm curious. Help me understand how I can not have that happen. Well, um, for one thing, you know, uh, I, I'm autistic and I'm a male, so I just get to the point. And people, sometimes what they'll do is they'll ask me a question, and they'll do it like this. They'll say, could you tell me what the Trinity is? And, okay, I'm done. Let, I got the question. I can answer it. And, but they'll often say, some people will say, can you tell me what the Trinity is? Because five days ago, and they'll give me some story. And uh, right. like, oh, okay. And then the story has sub-stories in it. Right. And then they'll go on for two or three minutes, and I'm sitting there, well, uh, do you want me to answer the question? That's because that's what it is, you know. And so, uh, some people are just, you know, just different. And uh, 
yeah, I was. I get a little flustered sometimes by people who ask a question, and then and then the the fix it thing in me is like, okay, here's the answer, and then they go on, they stop me from answering, and so I okay, and I smile too when I'm doing that, and people will will chuckle because they'll see oh, my there, there weren't any smiles in that one, but go ahead, please. <laughs> Well, it's just, you know, there are, there are smiles. I'll say, you know, people are trying to be nice and tr- people are trying to, to understand things. But the way I am is um, uh, because I have so much to do that uh, I just appreciate when people just ask a question and, and then we go and then we, we follow through with that. But some people are a little bit more verbose and then have to insert all kinds of stuff in there and and we got people waiting on the on the air and stuff like that in line, you know. So right. that's it. Yeah, and I want to make sure I didn't interrupt because I do understand that context, and I'm not trying to. But I really would love for you to humor me, I guess, and just give me a minute. I know some people get on there and they're just talking for a while, not even asking anything. But I, I go cautiously, and I remember very clearly. I said, "Yeah, I gave you the scripture first, so you understood that this was going to be just a question directly about the scripture." But I pointed out, but it's going to need a context or else you really can't answer it. So the the question was, you know, what behaviors may fly in the face of or do you think certain behaviors when a believer is speaking to a non-believer can fly in the face of or you might say properly apply the scripture about, you know, instructing those in meekness who oppose themselves. And before I forget, you, you, you said oppose, like that was a weird thing. So I, w- I read out of the King James much, and it, and it just says oppose. So I was just confused by that. And um, and just quite a bit of, like, uh, expressions throughout most of the conversation. And so I just, it's, now this what you just painted, the scenario you talked about, I totally understand that. Somebody says, what about going to church on a different day? Because, you know, sometimes when we go this and we go here and go here, I can understand that. But I set up my questions in such a way, because rarely do I need to ask, what does it mean? I say in all humility, I'm interested in the application that um, my other brothers and sisters use and to see if I can understand better there, uh, as opposed to having my own opinion. I don't see how that was gentle. I don't see how, you know, and that is why I want to hear where you were coming from on that. Um, but yeah, I have to admit, brother, the, the several just from the beginning, like, you know, I, I just don't understand how it happens, uh, in my situation. So uh, it would, you know, well, I, I just I'm don't understand not, it and I just want it to I'm not sure what you're, what you're saying though. I'm sorry. Just, and see I, that, I, that's I what, I, exactly what but, I'm trying but, not to happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, what, yeah, what the, I'm the pra- okay, we so, got to go. There's a break, so hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, we got to go. Oh, all right. Um, boy, okay, interesting. So, hey, we have two open lines: eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get on the air with, let's see, Ken from Roanoke, Roanoke, Virginia. Welcome. You're on the air. How you doing, Matt? Ooh, uh, I'm doing. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Hey, I've got a so question, got? but first I've got a real quick comment. You know, you was talking about 
science and stuff. I heard this guy not too long ago talking about Adam, and he said if somebody had to guess at the time he was created by God, you know, using our parameters, what would his age be? 25, 30? When he was created, he would be like zero. Yes, but I mean, if you had, like, if we looked at him without any information, we'd say he's, oh, he's a 25 or 30-year-old. I, the Bible does not tell us, but my guess, and this is, I cannot defend this, but my guess is mm-hmm. 33. 33, because yeah. that's how old Jesus was when he was crucified. And uh, so that's what I just assume. I go, eh, it's good enough as any, you know. Right. Uh, what this gentleman went to say, he said, if God can create in a day a 30-year-old male, you know, a male that we perceive as 30 years old, yeah. he can also create in a day a million-year-old earth where, yes, it was created in one day, but if the scientists do their research, this sure, rock is how many years old? And it's like, to me, that made a lot of sense because people go round and round and round and round about the age and how old it is and blah, 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 and it's just like this guy's synopsis is kind of like, you know, that makes sense. But yeah. my question to you, my question to you is, I heard a pastor not too long ago, and some people got on him, and I, I, I didn't... I don't know enough about it, uh, but he was talking about, you know, when Jesus was here on earth, that he was 100% human, that he had to lay down his divinity 100%. No. I guess the word for No, 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 that's Moses. heresy. That's flat-out heresy. That's okay, flat that's, out heresy. That, yeah. that's what I wanted to say, because I'm not, I'm not going to mention the guy's name, but I listen to this station where I pick you up at. It's, it's a thing called uh the truth you know it's like mm-hmm. 101.5 mm-hmm. the truth mm-hmm. and uh it's it's one of the pastors on there that actually said it so that's yeah, he, he's wrong jesus did not lay aside his divinity that's impossible and it is a very serious heresy it is so serious that if some somebody were to not repent of that we could not consider that person to be a christian that's how serious yeah, and this, this is. This is a per, this is a pretty popular teacher, you know, uh, preacher, and um, uh, the guy who called him out on it. Um, he's called out other pastors. He, he calls some of them, you know, clouds without water. But I don't, you know, I don't make it a point to listen to him all the time. I, a lot of times I listen to him for discernment, and so far he's been pretty much point on. Mm-hmm. You know, well, people can make mistakes, you know, and oh yeah, and, uh, oh absolutely, yeah. And, and people sometimes speak of things they're just not familiar with. But he did not lay aside his deity. That's impossible. If he did, then he wouldn't be God uh, in flesh. It, it's just that simple. Exactly. So if he were to say he did not uh, access his divinity, that would be a heresy also, because mm-hmm. the attributes of both natures are ascribed to the single person, called the communicatio idiomatum. And so, we can't you can't lessen the deity of Christ. You can't do that, and to to right. do that is is ultimately it's damnable. Now I'm not saying he's you know not a believer, because I believe that a lot of times people you know they just say that and they go well let's let's talk about that. And I, I try and help people out that uh, that they go oh I see what you're saying that that's not good. I go yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Well, before I let you go, I'll I'll say one thing, and once again, I won't mention the name, but it's a very, very popular preacher. I heard him on a talk show, and he made this statement, 
And ever since he made that statement, it's like, I know people make mistakes, but it's just like, yeah, it was real cringeworthy, and it's like, I need to stay away from this guy. What he said was, this was his exact words, it's real easy to get into heaven, virtually impossible to get into hell. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, Could you email me that person's name? I could email you both of them, yes. The yes, one who I, said I, about the, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, kenosis and the one who talked about it was easy to get into heaven, virtually impossible to get into hell. And I will email you the person who uh, does these things. You know, he calls some of these pastors out here. Um, it's an old term. It's called clouds without water. Right, out of Jude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, let me let you get to the next caller, and I will shoot you an email. Sounds good. Info at karm.org. I'll be looking for it uh, during the radio show yeah. here, because I, I won't mention yeah. the name because you don't want to, and I have to verify everything. And if, if there's any place to verify these things, I need to know. Uh, because Oh, yeah, because the guy who bring, brings it out has got the guy on stage saying, you know, in, in his video, it shows the guy's video saying that, you know, about him laying mm-hmm. down 100% of his divinity. So. Yeah, that, that's heresy. That's damnable heresy. Damnable. Yeah. Because it denies the person incarnation of Christ. And without that, we have no atoning sacrifice. I'm not saying the guy's not a Christian. I'm just saying it's damnable heresy. Right. He, he just know made, what he's talking made about. a mistake that he needs to correct. Yeah, and, yeah. and then we'll just say, we'll just give him, cut him, cut him some slack and say, no, you don't say that. Okay. And, yeah. and uh, that kind of thing, you know. All right. All right, I will be sending you an email shortly. Sounds good. I'll be watching for it. All, All right, right man. Thanks a lot. Night. You All too. Right, bye-bye. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. All right. Well, I guess we can get back on with uh, Monique as soon as... There we go. Let's see. Uh, I guess we lost you, but you're back on. No, okay. I'm here. Can you hear me? All right. Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, can you hear me badly? Because this is the only way I can hear you, but it is speaker, but I'm in my car. Is that okay? No. No, no I hear you goodly, not badly. But go ahead. Okay, good. So, so yeah, and, and again, I hope you can discern the spirit, or at least because this is not to be like whatever. But yeah, uh, I don't know exactly where I left off, but the gist of it, you know, uh, many, uh, the perfect example, the guy that was just on the phone. Now, we heard the question, but then there was quite a story, and I, I don't see where I did that at all. Uh, I remember specifically, as usually I have to format my question, uh, I gave the scripture, of course, but said, now this is going to require a, a giving of a scenario or else you won't be able to answer the question. And so not to be verbatim, uh, when then you said, uh, uh, I think it was after I was talking about oppose and then sarcasm and then uh, insults. Well, under well, do you have a, do you have a question? Do you have a question, though? Is there something you want to talk yeah, about? Yes, so you're I mean, doing it again. This asked. is what I'm trying. I'm trying to understand how I can format it better. Um, Just ask a question. But, this is a call-in show, and people they ask questions, and and we go. I try and go over the answers and stuff like that. Okay. And now you heard the caller just before me, so I will just say, I was asking you, and this turning into a question, I was asking you about. You're saying sarcasm was your first response. Like, so are you saying if someone's sarcastic, does that fly in the face of the the twenty six the Timothy scripture? And then it was. Then you said behavior. What, what behavior? What, and, what's your and question? And I was trying. 
sir and dear brother. I'm trying okay. to get to uh, the question. Then you have you have ten seconds to answer to ask a question, or, or we're going to move along. Okay, go ahead. Okay, okay, I'll ask this question then. Since I am a sister in Christ, why all this? After hearing what I just heard with the caller before, who went through a, quite a story without any questions for about five or six seconds, and so what is the? We're moving along. Um, so I don't know what the issue is or why, but she can't seem to just get to the point and ask a question without having to go on. And, and you know, we need to move along. And so uh, just don't want to get into that because I don't think it's going to be profitable. So that's that. We'll just move along. So I have my file uh, open on science and stuff like that. And every now and then, depending, I wish I had more time and could do more uh, study on all kinds of things. But there are problems within science that a lot of people are just not aware of. And there are some serious issues. And I wish that the scientific community, particularly in schools, would present both sides of the argument and not just only give the arguments in favor of evolution because they have a, a, a habit sometimes of burying counter information and then ridiculing those who have information to the contrary and they try and do character assassinations dismissive uh, kinds of, of things and it's, it's bad and so this does happen within the scientific community so uh, in fact the woman who discovered a scientist woman who discovered the the DNA in um, in uh, dinosaur bones the scientific community immediately ridiculed her and she and someone told me about this I need to research this so if someone has the information but he's, he was telling me how he did the research on this particular individual Mary Schweitzer I believe they penalized her and they got rid of her credentials she had to fight to get them back because she was right and they were wrong this kind of stuff does happen in the scientific community as well if you want to give me a call 877-207-2276 we'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Ah, let's see how this goes. Teresa from Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. Thanks. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh, so, so I'm calling just because I think that the, the previous interaction with, I believe it was Sister Monique, was, was kind of painful for all involved. And I think that um, really what she was looking for was guidance. I don't think that you were able to give because she couldn't really articulate it. But I think I picked up what she was laying down. So for her own benefit, because I do want her to grow compassionately in Christ, and as we all want each other to do, that I think the thing that would help her the most when she approaches your show or other forums would be to write down her question in advance. That way it's really succinct and there's not a lot of, in other words, in other interjections that she tends to put put in just in evaluating her speech pattern that makes it difficult for her to really um, be heard and for her point to be received. So I was calling in to let her know that, you know, it's not that there's any bias towards you or any caller, but with your own admitted limitations in communication due to your mm -hmm. autism, that 
you're mm-hmm. limited. And so part of our growth together is also understanding where the other person's limitations are so we can meet them where they at. So that just is in go. my heart and I want her to go on and uh, have more productive things because I think it's great for her to have that dialogue. So God bless you all and, and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Good. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. God bless. Take care. Thanks for saying that. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Right. All right, now let's get to Russell from Ohio. Russell, welcome. You're on the air. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Matt, thanks for taking my call. And, uh, boy, I sure. appreciate that uh, last lady's heart and uh, and understanding. Uh, uh, my question is on uh, baptism. Uh, I have a real good friend from a Roman Catholic background. He's an adult. He's going to be getting uh, publicly baptized uh, here in the next week or so. So just wanted to strengthen my framework and my uh, belief on baptism. Uh and there in Ephesians 4, it starts out, you know, the, for the sake of unity in the church, um, you know, whether we come from uh, a background of having trouble putting our sentences together or, you know, whatever it might be, we're all called to unity. And then the unity is that one baptism there. And uh, I think there in Ephesians 4, uh, that that's talking about the, the spiritual baptism that we share when we've been united with Christ in his death. Um, Do you have a question? a debate upon... The, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm repeating what you was doing. Do you feel that the Ephesians 4 and the First uh, Corinthians 12, 13, uh, is that a uh, reference to our union with Christ and our spiritual baptism, or is that simply a reference to water baptism there? Um, so Ephesians 4, you mean Ephesians 4, 5, one faith, one Lord, one baptism? Correct, yeah. Okay, and then... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit we're baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. Um, I made a drink. The, yeah. So I can't tell you because I don't know. Uh, I, can, I can tell you that different commentators have argued different positions. Some say the one faith, one Lord, one baptism, Ephesians 4, 5, is the spirit baptism into the body of Christ. Some say uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism is a kind of a creed, and that that baptism is talking about water baptism. And I kind of lean that way myself, but, I, you know, I can't prove it. And then First uh, Corinthians twelve thirteen, by one spirit we're all baptized into, into one body. Well, I could see that as being water baptism uh, also. I mean, you could certainly make the case because water baptism is the covenant sign of our, our participation in the body of Christ. And so there's that, whether Jews or Greeks. And But then you could make the, the, the case of the baptism of the Spirit, but then we have to define what the baptism of the Spirit is and look at it. So without getting too much into it, there, let's just say there's disagreement between uh, different theologians about it and there's possibilities, though in my opinion, I lean towards the idea that both of those are in reference to water baptism. But I could be wrong. Gotcha. Now, okay. would you say the same thing for like the Romans 6 passage? Uh, that that would also be an example of uh, a reference to the uh, water baptism that we share as believers? Or would that be more of a spiritual baptism there that we share as believers? Well, I think, you see, this is the thing. Here, let me show you something. Um, in Romans 4.11, this is related, and where Abraham received a sign of circumcision, the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had while uncircumcised. All right, so we see in the Scriptures, even in the New Testament, where the teaching is that circumcision was a sign, a seal of the righteousness. 
Well, Paul relates, not equates, but relates circumcision with baptism in Colossians 2, uh, 12, 13. You, uh, you've been circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, having been buried with him in baptism. So that certainly seems to be water baptism. When we go to Romans 6, what's going on? That's the question I have. It says, do you not know that all who've been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? What does it mean to be baptized into? This is the question. So I'm not sure how to answer it because I'm trying to be as accurate to the Word of God as possible. And sometimes the Word of God is not as clear as I'd like to be baptized into something. Well, when we look at that and we say, well, what is going on there? Then we go to 1 Corinthians 10. Now check this out. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. This is when Moses was leading the people out of Egypt, okay? And were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So, wait a minute, they're baptized into Moses, but they weren't, there was no water involved in the application to them, though what happened was they moved through the parted waters, all right? And yet it says they were baptized into Moses. So what I conclude is that what this baptized into means is a public identification with something through something. So the public identification of the Jews going through the Red Sea as they followed Moses and ultimately the deliverance out of bondage through the water. The water is not what saved them though. The water ultimately points ahead, I think, covenantally to baptism. And baptism, the covenant of baptism, the covenantal stuff that goes on, I'm going to throw some stuff out at you and you'll see why it's not as easy as people want to say. Because in uh, anointing, because Jesus was baptized, but according to what I've seen in Scripture, Jesus was sprinkled with water, not immersed. Now, people can call me up and they can debate me on that, but I'll show you the verses which says that the man who enters into the priesthood had to be sprinkled, and Jesus fulfilled the Levitical law, uh, uh, priesthood law, uh, Leviticus 8, Numbers 4, Exodus 29, at his baptism. This is what happened. And I can show it to you in the Old Testament. And so the requirement was sprinkling. Well, why sprinkling and why pouring? Because the Holy Spirit is poured, for example, on people in the Old Testament. And it's always referenced as the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the pouring. So now you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit referenced as pouring. You have the baptism of Christ, which I believe, I really do believe uh, that it was by sprinkling. And so now I've baptized into, well, what's the signification of, significance of this? Well, when someone would go into a holy use, water or oil or blood was applied to the person, signifying their being set apart for holy use. So an instrument would be sprinkled with blood, or the veil, or excuse me, the, the mercy seat was sprinkled with blood, or the people were sprinkled with blood symbolically, or water was sprinkled upon the priest, or oil is sprinkled upon the objects, signifying the application of something to that object or person to de designate that they are set apart for holy use. Now, we're baptized into Christ. Some people think baptism there has to be immersion. Well, what if it's not? What if it's sprinkling? What if it is biblically? 
And what it means is that the sprinkling of the water, and I can, I can go on to this quite a bit, but the sprinkling of the water is an application of something to an individual signifying their sanctification set apart by the Lord in this process as a public declaration of a covenant sign as a sign of seal. You see, the, to, I can get into more of this. I mean, I've studied this quite a bit, and I know my, my view is not very popular. But, you know, if you look at it, um, when when uh, John the Baptist was baptizing, he says all of Judea and Jerusalem was going out to him. Well, how long was he baptizing? I did the math on it. There's no way he could have been immersing people and got it all done. Because 200,000 people, maybe. Because there were like 2 to 4 million people in the area at the time. And so if all of them are going out, well, what does that mean? 10% is all? Well, what if it's just 10% or 5%? He'd had to been working, baptizing 12 hours a day straight, without a break, in the Jordan River by immersion, which you get hypothermia. It doesn't work. Something else is going on when you start putting numbers and putting flesh and blood on this stuff. And uh, so when I talk about this, not very often, I know I upset people because they've been inculcated with the idea that baptism always means immersion. And I don't believe that. Not anymore. So, you see, this is not an easy thing to get into. You see, you, there you yeah. did. See, you did yeah. it now. You just yeah, you asked see, the man. question. No, I, I pre- yeah, yeah, I knew it was a loaded question. How do you uh, how do you <laughs> deal with like uh, through the Book of Acts, where you like in chapter eight, you know, where uh, here's much water, we must go in, and you know the typical yeah. Baptist view yeah, of cheesy. you know they were fully immersed. No, but it wasn't. If you look at it, it's at at the end, and he ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water. Okay, they both went, Philip as well as a eunuch, and he baptized them when they came up out of the water. So if it means coming up out of the water means you're immersed, then both were immersed since both went into the water, right? But that doesn't make any sense. Right, right. So just by reading it, you go, uh, well, the phrase came up out of the water means immersion. Does it? Well, then that would mean that Philip was immersed also when he was baptizing um, right. the eunuch. And it, it makes no sense. So... There's a book on this called William the Baptist, which really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Oh, man, I'm asking for trouble. (laughs) William the Baptist, okay? And I suggest people check it out. It's very interesting. And it's not some esoteric, heretical thing. It's really interesting. It's it's got some insight. I'm like, man, I never would have thought of that. And out of that book, I got this, where I just told you about Philip and Eunuch. I'm like, that's a good point, you know? Then there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Matt, would you would you say that that baptism of the Spirit, that like in Ephesians 1, 13, and 14, you know, where we're sealed with the Spirit, that that's the most important part, and then the, the outward yes. sign of our inward change yes. is the secondary thing, and, and that's yes. mainly the secondary thing is what causes the division, so... I uh, know yes, I appreciate and, all your insight on that, Matt. I yeah. uh, appreciate you taking my call, and uh, yeah, it's great, great stuff. Okay, um... Good. I'm glad you like it. Call back tomorrow. Yeah. We can no, talk about I, it. I love it. Like yeah, I love it. a good. I love a good. I love a good uh, uh, debate on uh, baptism. So thanks a lot, Matt. I appreciate it. All right, Matt. God bless, God bless you. All right. So uh, we only have half a minute left in the show. Can't get to the next caller on pre or post trib rapture, which I hold to post trib. But if you guys want, sometime you call me up on the show and say, please teach about this more. I can do this, where I can go through stuff and show like show with the baptism of the spirit what it really means from scripture and show different things where baptism 
can't mean immersion. I can show you lots of places where that's the case. When I first came across all this, like, no way, that can't be right. And over the years, very slowly, I went, yeah, that's what it says. And I've actually helped a lot of people come to similar conclusions by just reading the text and not just knee-jerk reacting, but looking what the text says. Hope that's a good friendly challenge. May the Lord bless you by His grace. We'll be back on the air tomorrow for maybe some hate mail and some wacko mail. And if you disagree, call me up tomorrow and say, hey, I disagree. And we'll talk about it. May the Lord bless you. God bless everybody out of here. Another program powered by the Truth Network.